Um, for those of you who don't know us or aren't familiar or weren't here last year when we came, I want to just give you a little bit of information about Moral Revolution, who we are, why we're here, why they invited us back, um, is because... Which we're not sure about that still. <laughs> Um, so Moral Revolution, we're from Bethel Church in Redding, California, um, and we, Chris Vallotton, the founder of Moral Revolution, started it in 2009. He basically just wrote a book knowing that the world needed a book about sex and God's design for sex and realized it's more than a book, it's more than a message, it needs to be a movement on the earth. And so for, since 2009, it's been an organization that's traveled. We've gotten to travel the world and teach about sex and have sex. And it's been pretty amazing. Four continents. <laughs> so we, uh, we exist to tell the world a better story about I would like sex. to report it's better in Paris for some reason. <laughs> I'm going to filter. I'm going to filter. It won't take us any further. So... That's a little bit about us. We exist, uh, uh, real talk about healthy sexuality. What's really fun to report is probably since we were with you guys last year, we're now in five languages. So we're in Portuguese, Espanol, I said Espanol, Spanish, <laughs> German, We're in French. Mexican. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, do you guys have the slides? Yeah, go, go to slide going three for us right quick now, if you could. Just so that it's visual. Um, yeah, we're going to go through the slides kind of quick. If we can, do you guys have them? No, oh, maybe we don't not. have them. Looks like you have the first one. All right. Before so there's really great slides that look really cool. Oh, there we go. Uh, oh. Oh. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Technical difficulties. That's probably our fault. Yeah, we most sent likely. one with a bunch of stuff before that. Is that the first that's all right. slide you have? You can just leave that up there. Okay. We'll just skip the other things that we were gonna kind of go through, but um, essentially we, we, we exist to resource the world and the church on how to align their view of sex with God's design. And so we have a lot of resources, online resources. You can go to our website. Oh, you guys got there it. There we go. That's it. There we yep. go. So there's the languages. And then this next one with the QR code, this one I love to just share because the church has been silent about sex for very long. Not your church, the, the church in general uh, has either been silent or shamed it. We know the world perverts it, but we believe the kingdom of God celebrates sex. And so this is how we talk about God's design for sexuality. We have hundreds and hundreds of free blogs, um, free YouTubes. But this, if you do the QR code, um, what that's going to do is take you to some of our most frequently asked questions of people that are like, what does God, what does the Bible say about this? What does the church say about this? Because the world is screaming at us, right? Like the truth about sex and God's design is so foreign because the lies from the world are so familiar, we are bombarded daily with the lies about sex from the world, so we've got to be intentional to turn up the truth. So this is a resource for y'all with just tons of free information. The next one is just for you to see. We have a YouTube channel with lots of free conversations all about uh, becoming sexual friends for the married folk in the room. We highly hey. recommend that one. Uh, we have stuff for singles and dating, red flags, green flags. We have parenting. How do we navigate the digital dangers for our kids that they're being raised with that we were not raised with? So there's just so many conversations there for y'all. Um, and then our favorite book that we have to recommend that I think there's still some left at the booth. The other one's sold out, but this one's there. It covers all of the things about sex and God, identity, the body, needs, restoration, covenant. And I love just showing you what's inside because I'm like, that's the stuff I needed. When I became a believer and I had been sold the world's lies about lust and objectification, I needed to change and train my brain about what does God say about sex. And so this book does it super well. 
And then we love declaring, Micah was up here, I was gonna say on the bass, but then I realized I don't know instruments. Was that the bass? Okay, good. Hey, Look good at job. That. Good job. Pat on my back. So up here on the bass, he was already declaring, porn is lying to you. Um, we, if you were with us this weekend, how many were with us this weekend for the conference? Yep, the equipping weekend. Uh, we just love declaring that because uh, porn is destroying people's lives, relationships, brains. You can find out more there with the QR code as well. Yep. Do I keep going? I sure. feel like I'm going so She's long. the resource queen. I am the resource queen. So she wants you to not just get a message this morning, but to be <laughs> equipped to have healthy relationship. And I'll be honest with you, we're not good enough preachers to fix all your relationship problems. <laughs> so we're trying to give you some resources to, to use later. So let me just give you, I'm just going to give you a couple more tools and we'll breeze through them. Raise your hand if you're single or dating in the room. Single or dating, awesome. This resource exists for you because honestly, the world's way of teaching us how to date is cray cray. And so we were like, we need to know what God says, what the church says about dating. It doesn't have to be difficult, complicated, or scary. We have a men's and a women's course and community that gathers all around a path to wholeness and dating. How do we date well? In Can you show the culture? manly one too? Yeah, go, go through to the men. The pink just ain't doing it for me. There we, you, there we go. There we go. There we go. And this is exciting. We actually did an online mixer this past week for the first time ever to like merging the single and Christian dating uh, women and we'll men. Let, we'll let you know how many marriages come from the mixer. Yes. Um, and then for the parents in the room, raise your hand if you're a parent in the room. There are a lot of places that the, your children will hear about, hear about sex, but we believe the best places from you. But often here, actually cool, I always ask this question. It's so good. How many of you were actually given a really good sex talk at home? Like three of you? How many would say that your parents uh, left that to be desired? Like there were, there were things left out of that conversation, right? And how well does that work for us? Yes. Like silence didn't work for us, so then it's, we got to break that for the next generation. And, but so many of us, because it wasn't modeled for us, we don't know how to do it well. So we created Parent Well. We gathered all of the experts that we could find, uh, Christian psychologists, sexologists, counselors, to speak into how do we parent our children well. And there's a ton more. We're not going to go through them because Great. we want to get to the message. There's, <laughs> there's just countless resources on there. If you have a thought or a question about sex, regardless of what age or season or demographic you're in, we have something for you. Yeah. I will guarantee it. We've got a great co course called covering your marriage uh, for people that are, have, are trying to figure out how to get over marital unfaithfulness, uh, porn addiction, all kinds of stuff. So there we go. Moralrevolution.com. It's all there. Moralrevolution.com. Father, we pray for deep connection today. Teach us how to be better, how to be in deeper relationship with each other. I pray that you would unlock the mental blockages that prevent us from having community and doing it well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are, we've been married for 16 years, almost 17 years. Uh, we got a little pic of the fam bam that was up there. If you toss that back up there. Um, we've got four kids. Uh, we made four kids in five and a half years. Um, we're really good at having sex, so we did a lot of it. Um, still do a lot of it. But what? not as good as the double-doubles up here. Yeah, I mean, some of y'all are really good at it because you, like, make two at a time. <laughs> Like twice, I told them they need to be careful because they're gonna like quad, they're gonna have quadruplets next time. Like the trend is they keep doubling up, so you 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 just you got to be careful. You're gonna find yourself with eight overnight. Uh, but yeah, our oldest is 12, 11, 8, and seven. Caleb, Connor, Cade, and Chloe. And yes, we named our dog Callie. It's all C's. 
I had nothing to do with it. I got to pick a middle name by the third child. And so uh, she took total naming rights in my home. But we really believe, and this is really the, what I think fuels what we do, is I believe the greatest prophetic act in this generation is a family and really fighting for a healthy family. You know, I think that as we demonstrate healthy family, we're declaring to the world who God is. We're declaring to the world who God is and what he has for us. And so we want to talk about that. You know, our first date was 20 years ago this coming Tuesday. Uh, She was a senior in high school. I had just graduated. And uh, I fell for her like embarrassingly quick. You know, I wasn't the romantic type. I, um, you know, hadn't really ever been with anybody. I dated a girl in high school on and off, and she told me she loved me. I said thank you uh, when she said that. You know, I, I had this, I had believed this lie in high school that girls wanted to know the truth about how you felt. She did not want to know the truth about how I felt. She wanted me to say I love you back is what she wanted. And I just, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. I don't think I love you. Uh, I'm probably even too young. I don't know what love is yet, but I think I like you a lot. And I'm probably really close to love. How about this? What if I told you I loved you when I feel like I love you? She did not like that. She broke up with me uh, pretty quick. Uh, Her name was Katie. And I'm not going to know her. You know, her name was Katie. Random would, personal detail. Random. You got upgraded to Caitlin. What can I say? That's right. <laughs> like Katie's not even a finished name. Okay. The N, requi- that finishes the name, you know. Uh, but I'm just teasing. If your name's Katie, it's complete. You are everything you're supposed you're to be. You're a whole person. You're okay. a whole person. Uh, you know, but when I, when I met Caitlin, it was like, like embarrassing quick. Like we started, I was mushy and I was like gross and I told her I loved her like in the first month of dating her like I just somehow knew like she is not like the other ones Lord (laughs) like she's different than those other ones and you know I was broke I'd got I just got kicked out of Bible college I was basically homeless like I was sleeping on the floor in this kid's bedroom on this tiny little air mattress because I got kicked out of Bible college and my dad wouldn't let me move home and so I just, you know, I, wherever I could go, I went. I was working as a waiter at Ruby Tuesdays. I was driving an old Ford Probe. Anybody remember the Ford Probes? Yeah, that, like, so you can feel like you're in a sports car. You know, the stick shift. And, and I'm driving this Ford Probe. It doesn't have a catalytic converter, so it sounds like it's a lawnmower. Like, you, you weren't sneaking anywhere. I wasn't sneaking to Caitlin's house at night because that thing let everybody know who was coming and where I was going. The, the door panel, like the paneling on the door had fallen off. So all you saw was the exposed metal from the door and I had to open it. I have to pull like this, this wire to open the door and eventually the brakes went out and I was too poor to replace the brakes. Thankfully, it was a stick shift. So when I would come up to a stop sign, I would pop, pop that baby into neutral and I'd slowly start pulling the emergency brake. <laughs> Just till I, and I drove it like that for a while. So if all of this is making you question, Caitlin, why were you attracted to him? <laughs> That's a fair question. <laughs> I saw what could be, not That's what was. That's right. <laughs> you know, but, you know, so I, I, didn't, I didn't have much. 
<laughs> and I just got illogical and irrational. Like we went, our first date was Valentine's Day. It was a Friday night that year. Yes. But so on Monday, because I'm still a senior in high school and I went to a pretty small high school. And on Monday, I got a secret, a rose from a secret admirer. And like, I didn't even care because I thought it was some, from some dude at my school that I was not interested in. So I just kind of brushed it off. But then I started getting gifts every day of the week. Right? All the women are like, ooh, like that's pretty amazing. It was like Sorry, a dream man. come true. I should not have shared. Hey, we shouldn't share this before Valentine's this year, Day. Your Valentine's Day, what you're going to do. I'm going to have all the men angry with us after this. <laughs> but then the best part was that this beautiful, God-loving boy, he bought everything from the Christian bookstore. <laughs> so, Which, by the way, I forgot that detail to the first service this morning. So he's going to get embarrassed again. Um, so it was like a box of heart, like chocolates, you know, the red heart box, but it was like first Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, it was super sweet. It was all worthy. Um, and then he even wrote in one of the cards he gave me on Wednesday, it said he drew a picture of three peas in a pod, you, me, and God. A teddy bear with a little God is love. So every day, it was actually really fun for me. Obviously, I was being pursued, which as women, like that's what we want, right? Like men want to pursue and get something and I, we want to be pursued. So it was like a dream come true. And it was every day, like I feel like everybody in the school is like, what did you get today? And by Friday, Valentine's Day, everybody's like, what's he going to do? Like, he's going to have to up the ante here to, like, make Friday more special. And he did. He brought two dozen roses, one yellow, one red, because yellow was my favorite color. And then this obnoxious bouquet of balloons that you could, like, see me coming from a mile away. But it's, like, everything you ever wanted. You're like, look at me. Somebody really likes me. <laughs> um, Maybe that's just my personality. But then what was so fun is my... I won Valentine's Day. I won it. I'm winning. (laughs) I'm too competitive. Um, But the teacher even required in our creative writing class for everybody in the class to write a poem about Cole and Caitlin. Like, but it was fresh. Like, this is like, we just started saying we liked each other, but then he, you know, wooed me really well that week. And so one of the poems, though, written by this girl, Sally, was so good, we put it in our wedding program. It was like this beautiful, artistic poem about our love. So Valentine's Day special. And I even ate escargot that night and didn't know what it was. Yeah, I was like, oh, this boy with the loud lawnmower car is more cultured than I thought. He's but ordering I had escargot. no clue what I was eating. I was just trying to impress her and I popped that thing in my mouth and that was horrendous. Uh, <laughs> I was for those like, do you don't know, know what that is? It's snail <laughs> is what escargot is if you don't know. So um, I do. I, I recommend that you read the little writing under the titles <laughs> on your first dates because... Oh. Uh, yeah, that was pretty, pretty rough. And I spent a lot of money that I did not have that week. And, you know, you look back and it was, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. Like falling in love, it was amazing, you know, but falling in love has not sustained our marriage. Right. Committing to love has, yep. you know, and we've had to commit to do the hard things together. Yeah and weather the hard storms together. You know, I would say that falling in love got us to the date, but really even the follow through and the commitment of love is what got us to the wedding day. You know, because we had to work through, we were unhealthy, I was unhealthy. There was a point in our dating life that I told her, I don't love you, I never loved you, and I don't know why I told you I did in a fight one time. Like, self-sabotage. And good thing I had self-control. Yeah. (laughs) Good thing she was the adult in the relationship. (laughs) You know, but, but when you look at it, you really, you really begin to understand if you're going to have healthy relationships, you're going to do it on purpose, not on accident. 
And, and now, not just talking about a marriage relationship, that applies to every relationship we have, friendships, siblings, my relationship with my parents, your relationship with your kids. You will not accidentally fall into healthy relationships. Yep. Doesn't happen. It happens on purpose. Yep. It happens because you work at it. It happens because you don't give up. When you want to give in, you choose not to. Yep. You know, we just went through the hardest, I, I, I would probably say the last four months, we're just the hardest four months that I can remember in our marriage. Not in between us, but just there was a lot of stuff going on around us. Uh, you know, Caitlin's dad was really sick um, on his deathbed. Like his doctors have said, it is a miracle that you are alive. Like you were on death's door. They've said that a number of times and we're so grateful that he's doing so good. He's um, down in Florida now. He's been up in Buffalo, New York, which is where they go in the summers. And we were able to get him moved down to Florida. And he's, I mean, it's, we're so thankful for what God's done in his life to, to um, bring him back. But man, get going through it, like November and December, we were like tag teaming weeks at a time in Buffalo, helping her dad, you know, fight this infection and this, this disease that he had gotten. And we were, it's nuts. We were literally there for the two once in a generation storms that they had back to back. We were there for Thanksgiving when they had six feet, like y'all, it was six, the, the pictures were right. Like it was six feet of snow. It was crazy. And then we thought, let's go back for Christmas. And they flew in on the 23rd when the storm hit. Like the last 15 minute miles or 15 miles trying to get to her parents' house because we had to drive from Pittsburgh because all the flights in the western, in the western New York were being canceled. Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania was canceled. Literally the last 15 miles took us about an hour to an hour and a half because we're looking at street lights to decide if we're in the middle of the road or not driving in 12 inches of snow. And then we, we get home by the grace of God with our four kids in the car. And we start hearing stories of people that died in their cars and that died trying to walk to the house in the middle of Buffalo in the city. Like it was crazy. And you know, so we're going through this and then our plumbing, all of the waistlines in our house had to be replaced in the middle of this. They started draining. Our waistlines were literally draining into our crawl space. And then our washer breaks, and then our fridge breaks. And we had gotten some money that we were gonna pay off our cars. We had two cars, we're like, we're gonna, have, we're gonna be debt free, we're not gonna have car payments. We paid off the first car, and then the plumbing broke. We still have one car payment to this day now, because the money that, you know, it's just like it, the hits kept on coming, and we were dealing with challenges with our kids, and we had big moments at home because, you know, the, the chaos. and. We're getting calls from the school. We're still getting, we got a call Friday from the school while we were here. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we had a couple really challenging situations in ministry that we had to, to deal with and we had to face. And, you know, you look at seasons like that. And I'll tell you, I'm really thankful that we were connected relationally before those seas that season started. Because yeah. we had everything. We had health issues with family. We had challenges with our, with our kids. We had financial struggles that hit us that we weren't expecting and, and, and costs that we weren't expecting to have. Like we had, I mean, you, you, it was like, it, what trifecta, it's not a trifecta, it was a fivefecta, whatever that would be. Like it was like one thing after another. 
Had we not been connected relationally when that started? I'll tell you, it, it, when you're in the middle of the storm, it's almost impossible to connect relationally because then you, you start pointing fingers if you've been there. It's like, it's your fault, it's my fault, and we didn't, and you didn't, and you should have, and we should have had this ready, and we should have had this prepared. We should have had more money and savings so that we could handle that and pay off the car. Like all of those, those things can start to rise up. Connected relationships is the best remedy for chaos. You wanna talk about the best remedy for chaos, connected relationships, depth of relationship mm -hmm. is the best remedy. It's the best answer for chaos when we're going through challenges and trials. Yeah, and I would say even thinking about like, oh, the money in the bank and the things that are so, you know, naturally minded, not internally minded, it doesn't even matter how much money we would have had the bank when we actually look, what we were rich in is relationships. And that's what we want to invite us to today is to assess where is your relationship status? So if you're single, if you're married, it's not necessarily that, it's where are you at in your connection level? Like have you laid the foundation of connection in your relationships that you are so rich in relationships that you have people to give you feedback, to support you? Because during this season, yes, we had so much connection that we had built, so we were able to not just survive in that season, but truly our marriage was still able to thrive through that. But then also friendships. Like we had so many friends surround us during this terrible time. Friends that would, um, one paid for a house cleaner to come to our house and clean our house. Because it was friends. getting nasty. It was Let bad. me tell you. Um, With four friends, kids. Friends that sent meals. Friends that just really surrounded us. And have you been through a hard season where you're like, you feel so alone, you feel so isolated. And either it's very apparent, like, am I alone or do I have people with me? Like, do I have people that I've let in, yeah. that I've connected with so that they can see me, so that they can surround me in this time? Yeah, I had a, you know, did you see it three weeks ago? I was meeting with a good friend of mine and he's like, how you doing? I'm like, not great. Like this was, this sucked. Like this is really hard. It has been really hard. And the season, and, and we're believing we're through it, right? Like we're believing we're on the other side of that really hard season, but it was awful. And when you're in those moments and when we're, when we're living life, you know who chooses our depth of relationship? It's us, right? Like I'm in the moment where my buddy's asking me this and I have the ability to say, oh yeah, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Like we're doing it, right? Because you get that tough guy, like, like asking for help is really uncomfortable for me. Like I just do not like asking for help. Like I got this, I'll do this, we'll, we'll get this done, we'll take care of this. But you know, I realized like I, I want depth of relationship because I don't want to go at it alone. And I lean in there and I went and met with our counselor and was like, she's like, how you doing? I'm like, not good. I am, it is hard. This has been challenging. We've been carrying our weight and the weight of others. And this has been a really tough thing. And what we want to, I want to take a moment and we want to get in scripture here for a moment in Genesis 2, chapter 18. If you want to turn there, we're going to, we're really, this morning's message is built on one scripture. But I want to tell you this, the safest place that you can be as a person is when you're fully known, and in that fully knownness, you're still loved. But we have to allow ourselves to be fully known, because mm -hmm. it's really easy to present the good. Like, we, let, we're, we, we want to present the Instagram reel, but we don't have, always want to give people the backstage pass. Right, because we're worried that if they see in the green room or the set building room, 
that what they're gonna see is gonna cause them to look at us different, to think of us different. We're gonna ask for help when we should be able to manage it on our own. But I would challenge you in this. If you haven't let people into the embarrassing parts of your life, then you haven't let people into you and you don't have authentic relationships yet. Yep. You know, I don't even know if, I, I don't even know if I know somebody till I've conflict, conflicted with them until we've argued, until we've got to see that stuff. So a good question to ask yourself is, who have I given that backstage pass to? Like who in your current life, your current season, who has that all access pass to be able to see those weak moments, the embarrassing moments, the hard moments that can point out your blind spots? Because even if you're married, it's amazing to have a spouse who can find your blind spots because I need him to. She's really good at finding my blind spots, by the way. <laughs> I think I'm sure a lot of the men in the room have a wife that's really great oh, at that. Yeah. Gosh. But, and he's good at finding mine too. And it you have so many, it's easy to find Oh, them. wow. So kind of you. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day to you, babe. No. Return that gift. Um, I'm just joking. But I have friends that I've been so intentional with because have you ever had a friend that you're like, you see their blind spot, but you're like, oh, I don't know if I can tell them that. Like, I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't know. Like, do we have enough relational equity for me to like go there? Or are we still too new of friends? You know, like you kind of ask yourself that, well, I want to make sure my friends know they have permission, they have that all access pass to call me on my blind spots. Like, I don't wanna live life having these raging things that are issues that I don't see. And do you have the people in your life that are telling you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear? Yeah. And so for me during that hard season, I was going to small group. If you have that, that's such a blessing, like finding a small group of women or men that you're doing life with. Because a lot of times, if we're not intentional about it on our calendar, it doesn't happen. Because so many of us live based on our calendar, based on, we find significance in our calendar and how yeah. busy we are. It's like, it's like a point of pride if we're busy and we don't have time for relationship. Yeah, like, hey, how are you? I'm busy. I'm like, I'm so sick of that being my narrative. Like, I have to create the time and the space for the relationships that matter most in my life. How are life. you? I'm connected. Like, man, there's an answer that'll change a life. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm connected. Yep. I'm, I'm embarrassingly vulnerable with the people God's put in my life. And so I'm never gonna have to go through bad seasons alone. Yeah. I'm never gonna have to, to, to try to tr weather a storm by myself. I'm never, I'm never gonna have to go through an unknown season without somebody by my side. How are you? I'm connected. Let's practice that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened for me. My friend Havla, I was able to share, I was being super vulnerable, sharing where we were at, sharing the mess, but still trying to have it all together in the sense of like, oh, I'm not needy, I'm not gonna, you know. And so she was like, hey, I'm concerned about you. Like, you're on the edge of burnout. Like, you need to get help. You need to go schedule a time with your counselor. And I was in such survival, go, go, go mode that I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, that sounds like a really good plan. And so it was just so nice to know that you've invested and you're so deep and rich in your relationships that you have people to point out your blind spots. And when they're like, red flag, red flag, you need to get some help here. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think is really important is to, to do an assessment. Like we wanna walk, walk you through a connectability checklist this morning and give you some questions that you can ask yourself to be aware, aware of. But I wanna read this scripture first. It says, and this is with Adam and Eve and, and when God's making, um, you know, making the universe and, and creating and he says, it is not good for man to be alone and I will make a helper suitable for him. And a couple of things I wanna point out here um, Number one, 
He didn't say it's not good for Adam to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Like this was a general statement for mankind, for humanity. Another thing I want to point out is Adam on paper had everything. Like he's in the garden. He's got access to all of the food he wants, all of the purpose that he wants because he's running things. Like he's naming animals. He's got vision. He's got purpose. He's, the Bible says that God actually walked with him in the garden. Like he was in relationship with God. And guess what? It still wasn't enough. He needed a human partner. He needed other, he needed human connection. So when people say, well, is God enough for you? Well, no, God isn't enough for you. God even didn't think God was by himself was enough for you. He made us in his image, which means to be in deep connection. Mm-hmm. And so God's like, no, I, it, me and Like, I'm gonna teach you how to be in deep connection with each other. Why? Because I want you to demonstrate through your relationship with each other how good I am, how much I love. I want you to show what patience looks like. Mm -hmm. I want you to demonstrate what it means to be slow to anger. I need you to be the walking demonstration of what love is. Why? Because God is love. And if we demonstrate what love is, then we demonstrate who he is. I mean, think about that. Adam had everything, and it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't good for man to be alone. Can I talk to the men for a second? You're not any better than Adam. You're not more tough than Adam. You just might be more hurt than Adam. And we have to realize that as men, like we need depth of relationship to thrive even if we've convinced ourselves otherwise, even if this idea of masculinity being isolation and a lone wolf has told us we don't, they're lies. True, strong masculinity lets people in and never goes alone. Would rather have a band of brothers, would rather be in the band of brothers than the Lone Ranger. That's true masculinity because it acknowledges, ah, it's not good for man to be alone. I need to be in connection, I need to be in relationship. And then for the women to look at yourself and be able to say, wow, have I built up walls? Like to hear, you know, it's not good for me to be alone. A lot of times our circumstances may have told us differently because of rejection, because of that friend that you thought was going to be by your side, but you feel backstabbed. Um, Or just a friend that the seasons changed and you're like, oh, wow, like I don't want to go through the pain of that again. Like I had told her everything. She was walking with me. She was my best friend and now she's gone. And so I think it's really important as women and men to be able to assess sometimes friends are friends for seasons, reasons, or a lifetime. And so to be able to look at that and be able to thank God, like, wow, thanks God for that relationship that walked me through that season. And that it's okay, it doesn't, it's not null and void, like it's not rejection if that season has changed. Or if it's just a reason, it might just be one reason that there was something you needed that that person was able to give you in friendship or in connection and relationship. And then the few that are lifetime and thanking God for that. And then knowing even when proximity changes, that it doesn't mean your friendship is over. But proximity does create intimacy. So who are the people that are in front of you that God's saying invest yeah. in deep connection and relationship? Yeah. So we want to walk through some questions. We want to give you some questions to ask yourself this week. This is a service that comes with homework. Um, We've got some soul work for you to do over the next few days to do an inventory. How connectable am I? Have you positioned your heart, the way that you interact, the way that you connect at a place where you can actually be connected with? 
And so the first question that you start with as you ask yourself this week is, am I honest with myself about how I'm doing? Am I actually even honest with me? Right? It's like after that loss, like when Michigan lost to TCU, how you doing? I'm fine. Oh my gosh. I'm Bad okay. example. Great example, actually. But sometimes. Feels very relevant. Sometimes we're too busy, that idea of busyness, that we don't check in with ourselves because we're just going, 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 and we don't have a relationship with ourselves to be like, oh, wow, I'm not very honest with myself. I'm not doing very well. And it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. Mm -hmm. We have to be honest with ourselves so that we can share our life with others. Asking this question to yourself on a regular basis will solve a porn issue if you have it, will solve an alcohol issue if you have it. Asking yourself, how am I on a regular basis will actually solve a lot of the things in your life that you haven't been able to conquer if they're there. Because if you have a porn issue, it's not actually about porn, it's about something else that you're using porn as the medicine for. It's not actually about the porn, it's a, porn is the Advil. Porn is what your subconscious says, oh, this helps me forget about my rejection feelings for a minute. Like that's what actually is going on in your subconscious, in your heart, in your mind. You want to solve some of these areas of, of addiction or, or abuse that you can't get rid of? Start asking yourself on a daily basis, am I honest with myself? How am I doing today? And get mushy with yourself. Let yourself get emotional about it. Let yourself get uncomfortable about it. I want to, we only have a couple of these, but this is a book written by a friend of ours named Numb to Known. The Surprising Path Away from Pornography. Uh, Aaron Zint, he leads the um, ministry at Bethel for, specifically it's called our purity ministry, it's called the Whole Man Project, it's Monday nights, and this is literally for men that are trying to get free of pornography. And the greatest gift that Aaron gives to the world is teaching men how to be uncomfortably intimate with other men, where they are talking about really hard things to talk about so that they actually go from being numb and numbing their hurts to being known and in relationship. Really, really powerful. Um, we've got, I think, one left out there. I've got one here, but th that you wanna solve some of these things that you can't figure out how to get over, being known is the way to solve it. Uh, if you start asking yourself the why questions, you'll find yourself the byproduct, the, the natural response to you saying, am I okay and being honest with yourself is going to be freedom from bondage because you're gonna to start to see things for what they are, not what they feel like they are. The next question, does it feel too vulnerable to share when I have made a mistake or hard things are happening in my life? So understanding the value of vulnerability in your life and being willing to find safe people to practice vulnerability There's with. not enough people writing this down. Get out your there phone. Like we actually want you to work <laughs> through this this week. You can't, I mean, we're, church is awesome. Like I love church, but man, we, wanna, we want you to have some soul work. Like, real, oh yeah, some people took pictures. Sorry, I'm so, but if you haven't taken a picture <laughs> and you're not writing it, stop being so spiritually lazy. It's time to go to work. <laughs> Go fight for healthy relationships this week. Your future children will thank you for it. Yes. So does it feel too vulnerable? And then if it does, why? Why do you have such a hard time owning it when you make a mistake? Yeah. Why, why is sorry so hard? Why is it so hard to say, man, I feel really overwhelmed with the $15,000 month we just had? When all of our appliances were, were breaking, by the way, never buy Samsung ever again. There's a oh prophetic gosh. word of the Lord for you. <laughs> Holy smokes. 
Oh my gosh. Golly. No, no, that was great advice. That, that might be what you take from this morning. Save your bank account. Don't buy Samsung appliances. Uh, I, I mean, our, the appliance stores won't even fix Samsung in our, okay. in our city anymore because they break so minutes. much. Look at Another reason <sighs> that we are afraid... <laughs> another reason we're afraid of being vulnerable is because we're afraid of their response. Yeah. But A, you're not responsible for their response. And B, you're not being vulnerable for their sake. It's for your freedom. That's right. It's for your health and relationships. Yep. It's, for, it's so that you're going to take the relationship deeper. And in confession, when you have something you have to confess where there's a sin that you know needs addressed, you are not confessing for their response. You're confess, confessing for your freedom. And so if you're married to getting the exact response you want, you will live in bondage. You have to remember why you're bringing it to the light because it's the only place that it can be addressed. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how they respond or if there's so many people hurt with the church because the pastor or the church leader didn't respond the right way. You were not confessing for them. You are bringing it to the light for your own soul. And their response doesn't have to have any impact on your soul. They could respond in the absolute worst way possible. And that doesn't have to determine where you're at with the Lord. Does not have to determine where you're at with him, where you're at in his presence. And so I wanna challenge you in that. Okay. We have to wrap up. Yep. Do I clearly communicate what I'm feeling or is it hard to find words? Okay, so we're asking ourselves this week, am I honest about how I'm feeling? Does it, is it too hard to be vulnerable and to be open? And now, am I actually c- clearly communicating what I'm feeling? Once I'm becoming aware, or am I making it sound better than it is? Do I lack the ability to communicate with clarity? That's a really, really big one. And maybe you're somebody that words are hard for you. Then practice writing it down first. If you have something you want to communicate to somebody that you need to talk to a close friend, actually practice journaling it, writing it down. Practice on your own. If you're like, man, words are hard for me. It's not my strength. No problem. Give yourself the freedom to practice. It doesn't make it inauthentic just because you had to practice first. That just, t- that just shows how committed you are to being fully real and fully honest and fully vulnerable. You know your weakness you're not a words person, that's fine. Then practice writing it down so you can communicate it clearly. The next one is, do I trust people? And I think we can all just take a minute to assess our trust levels with the Lord, with a spouse, with parents, with friends, because those are all be at different levels. So just saying, where is my trust level at? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's a lot of one, you know, one of the things I would say there is, this is one that maybe requires some, some healing, some counseling, like we're counselor, we're counseling people. We're not counselors. You do not want us to counsel you. It'd be horrible. Um, but we go to counselors. Like we are advocates for counseling yeah. because a lot of people, a lot of us are making the people in our life today pay for broken trust from yesterday. Yep. Like trust was broken a year ago, a month ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And everybody today is dealing with the fact that we no longer trust because of what happened back then. And so it's real, you, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to the people around you to say, you know what, I'm gonna pursue healing from broken trust. Yep. Do you need to do that today? Do you need to heal, do you need to pursue healing from broken trust? I think a lot of us, if we ask that, we're like, oh no, I don't trust people. 
But we're quick to say that. My question would be, okay, what's the reason and are you willing to go back to that painful place so that you can be healthy and whole again? Yeah. Run after that. Don't run away from it. And that flows perfectly into the last one of, am I still living with deep wounds from my past? A lot of the times those are the things that we want to ignore or not deal with or it's too messy. We avoid it. We bury it. Um, or we just medicate away from the pain of it. But it's so important that we don't just put a Band-Aid on it. We don't just ignore it. We have to deal with it so that I think sometimes we think like we won't have the infection come. We won't have the pain come from that wound. I'm just going to put it in the past. But it, it leaks into our present and into our future if we don't deal with it. So again, church needs to hear counseling is not shameful. It's powerful. There's all, we all have things that we probably need healing from or things that we need to address. And if it's too much for you to do alone, then invite somebody in who can really walk with you. I want to just state this lie that we believed, the statement of time heals all wounds. It's not true. Time only heals the wounds that have been sanitized properly before the Band-Aid's put on. Otherwise, time just turns wounds into infection. It just opens us up for MRSA in our soul. It opens us up for staph infections in our heart. Unaddressed wounds don't heal over time. Yes, wounds can heal over time if they're addressed and they're dressed properly when the wound happens. And so I wanna just challenge you and encourage you, don't leave open sores and open wounds, go after those. You know, sometimes we're the five-year-old that's got the cut and no, you can't touch it, you can't touch it, you can't touch it. Like I, we, we've had one of my kids in particular, like if he had a splinter, a sliver, he would not let you near that thing. He got it from me. <laughs> I, as a kid, I had a splinter under my fingernail. That hurts real bad. Like, you know, under your fingernail is so sensitive. I ran around the house. I would not let my mom catch me for hours until my cousins like grabbed me and was like, and you have to get it out. I'll never forget the moment where he, and I go, all right, fine. I just, I'm letting you know it's going to get infected. A couple days go by and he comes and his whole finger's red. And he goes, it hurts. I go, I told you this was going to happen. It's because you wouldn't let me clean it, kiddo. And that was the last time, literally from then on out, he let me like dress the open wound every single time with Neosporin or, hydro or peroxide or like he always lets me do it now regardless of how much it hurts. It took him one time to realize, oh, infection hurts worse. Infection hurts worse. Man, in our hearts, in our souls, long-term infection hurts way more than the momentary pain of addressing the wound. Right? So man, look, can we lean into that? I want to challenge you. And here's our challenge as we wrap up. Take relational risks. Take some relational risks. Relational depth is the reward of taking relational risks. Take some relational risks. Challenge yourself to trust again. Challenge yourself to forgive. You know that thing that you said you would never forgive? Let the Holy Spirit lead you into that place this week. Yeah. And go, in it, go, go down that path of that thing that you said you would never let go of. Remember that thing? You know that thing in your heart that you said, I'll never share this with somebody. Like, this goes to the grave with me. Mm -hmm. What if you challenged yourself to take in a relational risk so that you could have the reward of deep relationships on the other side? Regardless of what you've told yourself or culture has told you, it is not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to live life without deep relationships and friendships and connections. 
And I want to actually, we didn't say this in the first one, but one of the things the Lord spoke to me before, like in the middle, is I would also maybe add a last question that wasn't on there. Am I a good friend? Am I a good friend? Or do I only take, 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 take? Are you contributing to the health of the relationships that you're in? And what do you need to do to do that? Why don't you guys stand up with us? Hmm. I want to challenge us just to hear from the Holy Spirit for one minute. Because we're challenging you to take a relational risk. What is something, one small step, that in the next 24 hours you could do to take a risk? Is it text that person, forgive that person, set up that counseling appointment, be vulnerable with somebody? What could you do in the next 24 hours to actually step out and take a relational risk? Here's one for the marriages. What if you talked about your sex life tonight? That feels really risky in marriage sometimes, doesn't it? But you want to get to a better place, a healthier place, a more connected place, a more fulfilling place. The more you talk, the better it gets. I'm telling you from personal experience. <laughs> what is that risk? What is the Holy? So let's close our eyes and ask the Lord. Lord, what relational risk are you asking me to take this week? Who's he inviting you to forgive? Oh, that's a painful question. Who's he inviting you to forgive the same way he forgave you? He forgave you before you knew to ask for it because he died on the cross 2,000 years before you were born. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, I know that every single person in this room is gonna read through every one of those questions deeply this week. (laughs) And as they do that, as they do their connectability check, would you be there with them? Would you just invade their space? Rest in that room. Be the loving father that walks them through the hard parts of relationships where there's wounds that need addressed, where there's hurts that have been left untouched. God, where a wound is allowed infection to get into the blood, into the heart, would you graciously and lovingly surround them with your presence? as they ask themselves these hard questions. And then Father, I pray that on the other side, I pray the conversation that started this morning will yield powerful return in their relationships, in their homes, in their children, in their, in their relationships with their wives and their husbands. I pray that there would be deeper friendships that are forged from today than they ever knew they could have. For the ones that have said, I'll never love again, God, I rebuke that lie in Jesus' name. For the ones that think that they're not, that they can't trust again, I rebuke that lie in Jesus' name. Would you just release over this house, over Vineyard Northwest, an anointing for deep, powerful, and connected relationships? In Jesus' holy name, amen.